Hello, and welcome to Everybody's National Parks, an audio travel guide aimed to inspire you and your family to visit America's national parks and help you get the most out of your park experience. This is your host, Danielle. This is episode 24. In this episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with the travel duo, Brad and his grandma, Joy Ryan of Grandma Joy's Road Trip, who started their national park adventures together when she was 85. This interview is particularly special to me because I have wonderful memories of visiting Everglades National Park with my own grandmother. I was also very lucky to travel with my mom, just the two of us. She instilled in me my love for travel, adventure, discovery, and learning. I've been so inspired by Grandma Joy's road trip, I know you will be too. They are the perfect example of the positive impact national park travel can make at any age. I love what Brad said on their interview with CBS DC regarding his biggest takeaway from this road trip. We do have the ability to choose joy. If you have stories to share about travel with your parents, grandparents, or family to national parks, you can send us a voice memo or email to hello at everybody'snps.com. Now let's get to the conversation with Brad and Grandma Joy. Today, I am honored to have Grandma Joy and Brad Ryan join me, known to most people by the Facebook or Instagram handle at Grandma Joy's Road Trip to discuss traveling to national parks for older people or those with limitations on their physical abilities. Hi, Brad. Hi, Grandma Joy. Good morning. Hello. I am so pleased to be able to speak with both of you today, and I'm so thrilled at how crystal clear we are all coming in on this conversation. Can you, either one of you, whoever wants to take this, to start and just briefly tell us your story? Grandma Joy and I were like any other grandma grandson duo that you that you know in life and like a lot of people who go through tough times in their families divorce and so forth families can become divided sometimes hopefully not for longer periods than we would like and uh, grandma joy and i had not spoken for about 10 years despite the fact that we had this really idyllic childhood and and i always say you know she was the grandmother who was willing to take off her shoes and get in a stream with me when I was five years old and lift up rocks and look for little critters in the stream when my mom was not willing to do that. And it planted this love and passion for nature, which I knew that we shared. But unlike Grandma Joy, I was able to go out into the world and hike the Appalachian Trail and climb Mount Kilimanjaro and experience these really wild places and majestic wildlife on a scale that she never got to. She really didn't have the ability to travel much in her life. And so when we reconciled and I found out that she had never seen a mountain, it struck me as this tragedy that I had an ethical and personal responsibility to correct because I knew that she had the physical capability. I knew that she had the mental will and that passion and desire to do it. She just didn't have the means to make it happen. It started with just, I want to show her one mountain. So I took her with me to the Great Smoky Mountains National Park in September of 2015. And because she not only saw a mountain, but she climbed a mountain with me and slept in a tent for the first time at 85 and did all of that with a smile on her face and a real sense of wonder and and appreciation, I kind of ran with it. And I thought, you know, if I can drive seven hours from Ohio to the Smokies, I could drive a little bit further and we could see Old Faithful and we could drive a little further and see the giant redwoods of California. And, and who knows what's possible if you just put an idea out to the universe. And I think, um, you know, we were four years into our journey before it became a viral story. So, you know, this was a personal mission that we were on for ourselves. And we're really, really touched by how much love and support we've gotten around the world and stories that we hear from people that see themselves in Grandma Joy or me and want to do the same. I love that. It is just seeing your story was so inspiring to me. And I read the comments on 
your posts from so many people. Your posts get hundreds and hundreds of comments of, of people talking about their grandma, maybe still living or grandma who passed and how they wish they could do that or that they want to do these things. And you both have been such an inspiration to so many people. And people who haven't thought about doing this now are going to because of the example that you set. It's really wonderful. Yeah. And when we say everybody's national parks, we want people to know that means everybody. There's not an age limit on living life to your fullest. Grandma Joy, what did you think about that first experience at the Smoky Mountains and camping, sleeping in a tent? (laughs) Well, it was quite a trip because it was pouring down rain. We got there at one o'clock in the morning and I was trying to hold the umbrella over Brad while he put the tent together. And then we got in the tent and the plug came out of the air mattress. So I had to climb underneath of it and turn it around so he could fill it back up. Then I couldn't get out. Of course, I got to laugh. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard of. So uh, when we climbed the mountain, he kept saying, well, Grandma, we'll go back anytime you want to. And I said, I'm climbing this mountain if it kills me. And I made it to the top. (laughs) That's fantastic. What is it like to travel a grandma with his grandson? What has that been like for you? Oh, we we get a lot of people looking at us, especially when I got my arms all black and blue from trying to love a dog. And he said, Grandma, people are looking at us. And I said, well, I'm sorry, Brad, don't have any long sleeve shirts. So we just we just went from there. She, she bruises very easily and she gets cut very easily. She looks at a cactus and spontaneously starts bleeding. So, <laughs> so, but, you know, it comes with the territory if you're in the outdoors. She just happens to have tissue paper, thin skin. But I always joke when people are when they walk up to us and they're like, what's all this about? I, I say, well, this is my older sister. <laughs> it's definitely not, she's definitely not my girlfriend. Up until the age of 85, you hadn't seen a mountain. And now you've been, I think your count as of this recording is 53 national parks. Oh, yes. And we've seen some wonderful, wonderful sights. It's just amazing. It, it, you just can't imagine until you get out there and, and see all these wondrous things. I, I just wish everybody had a chance to do that. And they just went to one and got to drive through, see all the beautiful mountains and the trees. And it just changes your outlook on life. Tell me more about that. How has it changed your outlook in life? How has it changed you personally? Well, um, <laughs> well, I guess I'm not afraid to try something. It doesn't hurt to try something once. It's amazing to see all the beautiful things that are out there and you to know that man had nothing to do with this. The Lord made all this, all this wonderful stuff that he made, and nobody can take credit for it. And it just opens up your heart and just you walk through and you just can feel the quiet and the self wind blowing through the trees and see the little animals scurrying all around it's it's amazing it just brightens your life that's all and what about for you brad has it changed you your outlook or you personally yeah absolutely alluded to it earlier when i i said that you know i hiked the appalachian trail and i climbed mountains and you know my relationship with nature used to be how many mountains can I climb in five days? How fast can I climb them? And I was trying to fulfill a different part of what was missing in my life at that point. And I think that with her slowing down, walking at a pace that that's comfortable for her and having conversations about the little things that we're seeing along the way has opened up a whole world of nature that I was just speeding by. And not only that, but you know, she is almost 90. So I think I was moving through my life. And as I was traveling, I appreciated what I was seeing, but I didn't really absorb it on the level that she does because she is going to these places with this real, with more of a realistic grasp of her own mortality, right? She's standing at the um, you know south room of the Grand Canyon looking down and she's feeling like this is the first and last time I'm I'm going to see this. So I'm really going to to live in the present in the most dynamic way possible. And I might not have done that. Oh, I can't wait to come back here one day is the way I used to think. So 
being more present and being more in tune with with the intricate details, knowing that the pattern on the back of a beetle or an arrangement of lichen on a dead stump is sometimes every bit as magnificent as the view from the top of a summit. That's That's been the transformation I've gone through. So let's toggle over to, I know that the two of you had talked before our conversation together. Let's talk about some of your favorite parks to go to that might be good for people with limited physical abilities. I think one thing that's really important to know for anybody who is either Grandma Joy's age or someone who's my age and they're thinking, you know, I would like to do some version of this and start seeing the national parks with someone who's older is that a lot of our national parks offer accessibility guides. So you can find those online a lot of times and download them ahead of time if you're trying to plan a trip or figure out what parks might be best for you that are, are within driving distance of where you live. But you can also just go up to the ranger station at the visitor center when you arrive and ask for an accessibility guide. So they can really give you an itinerary that will work and, and show off the park with the amount of time that you have there and within the parameters of what your, your grandparents or parent can do. A lot of the a lot of the national parks have wheelchair accessible trails, but I think it's also important to note that we recognize that not all people who are in their seventies or eighties are created equal. Grandma Joy has continuously surprised me and surprised a lot of the park staff and the and the things that she's been able to do. Whether that was walking around Mammoth Cave, hunkered down, squeezing through little uh, tunnels and things like that, or rolling down a sand dune at Great Sand Dunes National Park, but I recognize that Grandma Joy is sort of an exception to the rule. But for a variety of of different physical abilities, there's something in every park to do. I think that Grandma Joy could speak a little bit more about some of her favorites and why. The Carlsbad Caverns are beautiful and they take you down in an elevator and they're uh, wheelchair accessible. They tell you when the, the trail ends for you. But it is amazing to think that you're looking at something that has taken billions and billions of years to make because it's only made by one drop of water at a time. And you just look around in amazement and you just, and you see all kinds of things in there that you can see faces and you can see uh, Christmas trees and oh, it's just, it's really fun. She saw a cow udder <laughs> in the shape of. <laughs> <laughs> in the shape of those uh, those formations. But, you know, it's it's something that we noticed a lot of people were really rushing through. And we thought with the amount of time that it took for Mother Nature to create something so, so spectacular, we were going to take a full three hours and just really meander through at a, at a snail's pace. And it was nice and cool. There was more to see than you could ever take in in a lifetime, honestly. And you can take a wheelchair in there? You can. Uh-huh. That's fabulous. Yeah, the the trail is wheelchair accessible for probably about the first half or so. And then there's a point where it narrows and you could continue if you if you can walk on your own. Um, Grandma Joy and I did the entire big room. There's certainly a lot you could see even, even without being able to walk. I took my kids to their first caverns in Virginia. We took a trip to Shenandoah last year in the springtime. And then we went to the caverns near Shenandoah. And yeah, I remember them seeing bacon and eggs and and animals and all different things. They loved it. And and since you brought up Shenandoah National Park, I think, especially if you live on the East Coast, that's probably the best example of a park that was designed with drivers in mind, you know, because there there are 75 overlooks on that 100 plus mile stretch of drive through the Appalachian Mountains. And in fact, the Appalachian Trail crosses over Skyline Drive 32 times and I've hiked the entire Appalachian Trail and all the views are up on Skyline Drive. Most of us that are through hiking feel a little ripped off, but it's, it's an amazing park to drive through with somebody who has physical ability or physical disabilities. And there's also a trail there called the Limberlost Trail that's wheelchair accessible. It's about a 1.3 mile circuit with 20 resting areas, lots of benches. So that would be a great place to go if you were thinking about a park to do first. We call Shenandoah our home park. We live very far away from it, but it's the first national park I ever went to. And the first one my kids went to, the first one I went to with my husband, and we've been there now so many times. And I sort of daydream about bringing my grandchildren there someday. Oh, yeah. 
And you do, you see, you see so many intergenerational. I think I, we saw more intergenerational families at Shenandoah than any place that we've traveled. It's a special place in our heart too. It's also where we filmed our, uh, our interview with Chip Reed. So we got to go back there this year and, and see a different, we had never gotten up to the Northern end, which is really pretty too. Yeah. If people want to see that, where would they find that interview? Oh, the CBS This Morning interview. I think if you just Google that, you can find it. It shows off a little bit of, of Shenandoah National Park. Nice. Yeah, it's beautiful. Okay. So uh, Grandma Joy, what's what's next on your list? The Petrified Forest. It's amazing to think that this was a tree. And now it's beautiful colors. It's lavender and pink and rust colored. And you're not allowed to take any of that with you. But outside the park, there is a gift shop where Brad bought me a piece to bring home with me. And uh, you just can't stand there and think that this was a tree. It's just, it's amazing. It really and truly is amazing. In Petrified Forest National Park, in addition to having all of this petrified wood lying around everywhere, it also has the painted desert, which is uh, visible from the road. So it's, it's, a, it's sort of an underrated park, which is why we like to show it off a little bit. I think a lot of people go to Arizona and they head straight for the Grand Canyon, which is great, but Petrified Forest National Park deserves a little love too, we think. And it has an electric pole and a rusty old car that is the end of Route 66. It's amazing. I had a picture, made me a picture beside the car because I don't know how long it's going to last. <laughs> but it's a, <laughs> at the end of Route 66, so it's really something to see too. Yeah, I've been there years and years ago, but um, we had planned a family trip there with the grandparents, in fact, last February, and uh, we couldn't get there because there was this storm of the century that hit northern Arizona, three feet of snow, and half the state was closed. We could not get there, so we need to reschedule that trip. But in lieu of Petrified Forest, we ended up just quickly deciding, well, let's go south instead. And we went to Saguaro and had an amazing time there. <laughs> that was, since you brought it up, I think that's on her list too. <laughs> we loved, we loved that park. Before we skip ahead, Petrified Forest is, so is that good for driving, like Skyline Drive in Shenandoah? Does it have something like that there? And does it have paved trails that are accessible? It's one, to, I think you can drive it. Yeah, it's it's more of a driving park. The I think that the the trails were not strenuous. They're not paved from what I remember. But grandma was 87 when we went there and we were able to do some some short loop hikes that showed off a lot of the petrified wood features of the park. And like I said, the the views of the painted desert are what I think of most when I think of that park. And and that's certainly something that you can take in just by stepping outside of your car and 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 just marveling at what's what's off in the horizon. Great. And so is Saguaro next on your list? Um, then it's a Joshua tree. It is a, there's four different kind of um, plants in Joshua tree. And they had these beautiful, great big cactuses. And it, it's so funny because you can make people out of them. Their arms are different. They got one arms up and one down and you can make some, it's really, really, and then they have a, uh, there's a cactus garden that you can get out if you're able. It's not that far to go. But if you just go part of it, you can see all the different kinds of cactuses that they have there. And it's really something different that you will see anywhere else. Yeah, Joshua Tree is a, um, it's a really interesting park because depending on what end of the park you enter, you won't see the Joshua trees. You have to drive for a little while if you enter from one end. But on regardless, you know, you go through these four different ecosystems and it's, it's, it's incredible how you can have this landscape that's just loaded with Joshua trees. And then they start to taper off, they start to taper off. And then you just hit this particular elevation and that's it, they're done. And then you, you move into entirely different vegetation. But that's, I, I would consider that one of the unique ecosystems of the United States and, and certainly a park that you can appreciate without ever getting out of your car. Very cool. I need to go there. Have you not been that there? Was an, that was another trip that we had. I guess we often have uh, cancellations. That was another trip that came up 
we ended up having to cancel it, unfortunately, and haven't been able to reschedule it yet. <laughs> well, you're gonna, you're in for a treat for sure. It's a and the the campsites there are out of control. There's there's no. I don't think there's any park that has campsites as beautiful as Joshua Tree under these giant rock features. It's definitely one of our top three. Wonderful. All right. I want to I want to hear the rest of your list. Um, then the Sequoia in California is a big tree trail, and that's where the General Sherman uh, tree is. It's monstrous. I mean, you can stand and then you can't hardly see the top of it. But it makes you feel so tiny standing at the bottom when they take your picture. But it's a beautiful thing to see, to think something has been standing there that long. Now, I haven't been there yet either. And I was told that hiking to uh, the General Sherman tree is very steep. Is that right? Um, I don't remember it being steep. I don't either. Okay. There's no issues with, uh, in terms of difficulty for getting to see that tree. No, there's there's a General Sherman trail and the Big Trees trail is separate from that. And the Big Trees trail is just a little flat loop and um, it's not paved. That's that's a It's a little hiking trail, but there's no up and down on that that I can remember. remember. General Sherman may have had a, a slight incline at some point, but my memory of it was that we, we got there and back to our car with no problem at all. And it, it's, worth the, it's worth the short hike to see the, the largest tree in the United States for sure. All right. That's great. Good to know. So that's my five. Oh, you left out Saguaro. <laughs> I loved it anyway. <laughs> Well, it has a desert uh, discovery trails. And the, the trails, uh, if you go there, usually seem like it's a short trail, like a half a mile or a third of a mile or something like that. It was a lot of desert, but it was really different. That's one thing about the park. Every park is different. You can't, uh, it's hard to describe because there's so many different things in each park. And every time you go back, you would see something different. So. I like that part there. We think we might move there and get a house. <laughs> <laughs> get rid of these gray Ohio skies. Now, where did you stay in Saguaro? Because they don't have front country camping inside the park. There is, a, I believe, a private campground, if I remember correctly, outside the park. So Saguaro we did as part of our Hyatt-sponsored road trip this past fall. So we drove from Saguaro to the El Paso Hyatt Air. There's a, a Hyatt in El Paso, but really it's drivable to El Paso. That's a good central point if you want to see White Sands National Park, Saguaro National Park, uh, Guadalupe Mountains National Park in Texas. El Paso is a good central point to do all of those things. That is a good tip. So those were your top five or six parks, Grandma Joy. And then you also had your top 10 parks for driving which I imagine a couple of these are on that list also. So what are the best driving parks? This is a really hard, hard thing to do because I think truly, I mean, we've driven through the vast majority of these parks and certainly there are epic views at all of these parks with maybe a few exceptions like Biscayne, which is mostly underwater and that type of thing. But the second park that we ever visited was Badlands National Park in South Dakota and you know, we were seeing these things together for the first time. Uh, I'd never been to any of these places either. And, and, and Badlands holds a special place in, in my heart just because I remember the look of, of wonder and Grandma Joy's eyes. You know, Keep in mind, this is a woman who only was able to drive to Lake Okeechobee in Central Florida with her husband in the winter and didn't do a lot of traveling outside of that. So she didn't even know what a Badland was, that one existed. And that they come in so many different colors. And, and I just remember meandering through those curvy roads and the geologic features that just that literally are right up against the road and then and down in the valleys, up in the distance. Um, everywhere you look, you're just seeing these intricate geologic features that, that certainly, you know, in the first 87 years of her life in Ohio and on the East Coast, she never imagined something like that was possible. And then not to mention the fact that there are, we saw bison and, and bighorn sheep and prairie dogs and all this amazing wildlife that doesn't live in Ohio either. It really opens your eyes. <laughs> oh, it was, it was fantastic. And, um, you know, we, we moved on from, from Badlands and we hit Yellowstone National Park. 
Uh, of course, everybody knows Yellowstone. I hesitated to even put it on the list because it just seems like it gets so much love anyway. But certainly, you know, we can't deny that driving through the, the, the Lamar Valley and being trapped in a herd of bison for, I think it was almost four hours, we were stuck in that, that traffic jam of the bison herd. That's a life-changing experience. I, I remember being in the Serengeti and seeing the massive herds of wildebeest and being sad that, that Grandma Joy would never see something like that. And so being able to, to do that with her in Yellowstone, it kind of it helped give me a little bit of peace that, that she experienced nature on that grand level. And what is that like to be there for four hours? You're because you're waiting for the bison to get out of the way, get out of the road. Oh, it was great. There were little ones, the big ones, the middle sized ones, and the little ones are kicking up their heels and they go on one side and then they decide to go on the other side. I mean, it, it was a, it was amazing to sit there and watch them. You just really got a kick. I got a kick out of it. I never seen anything like that before, and I'll never see anything like that again but I really enjoyed it. Yellowstone, I we went there without our children and we need to go back. We actually went there in the wintertime. Also one of these things where three feet of snow dumped on Yellowstone and we arrived the next day. Got super lucky that all of the logistics worked out for us. Well, ho- hopefully the crowds were, uh, were more manageable then. Right. It was like winter camp because really the only people in the park were the people who were staying at the snow lodge. (laughs) I mean, Yellowstone has to be up there for parks that are really uh, well showcased from the roads. But, you know, the downside of that, obviously, are the crowds. It can be a little maddening when you're there in the the summer and you're, you're fighting for parking all day long, trying to see the beautiful features of the park. So, you know, for that reason, there are other parks on our list that that you get the majestic views without all the chaos of, of large crowds. Big Bend in Texas is a great example. Nice. Yep. And that is the next park we are going to. You won't believe that when you get there, all these mountains and they're all pastel colored. I mean, there's pink ones and lavender ones and it, everywhere you look is a different color. And it, uh, oh, it was really, really uh, gorgeous. All those mountains. I, and then, of course, uh, the Rio Grande runs through there and all these crazy people was waiting across to get to the other side. Good heaven to Bessie. I couldn't believe that. So that they could go to Mexico? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the water was cold as ice. I swear to goodness. They probably all had pneumonia when they got home. Did you put your feet in the water or put your hand in the water? Yeah, my hand. That's all I'm going to do. Just that. <laughs> How cold do you think that water was? I don't know, but it was cold enough for me. I can tell you that. That was one of the last parks that we went to on our last road trip. So it was the, we'd seen almost everything in the lower 48 and, and Big Bend just left us gobsmacked. I mean, and it's just, you think that the park can't get any prettier and then you come around another bend in the road and everything just opens up and you know, it just, it makes your heart race. It really, I mean, for me, it did. And pictures, it's probably so hard to just capture that. <laughs> you can't. And, you know, and that's, you have to be there to see it. But it's not just, you get these, you know, grand mountains like you would see in, in Colorado, but the really unique desert vegetation that you would see in, in Arizona. And then you, you bring in the Rio Grande and on and on and on. And, it's, and the fact that there are, are really not a lot of people there compared to most of the other parks we've been to. So it was just one of our very favorite experiences. Fantastic. All right. What else do you have? And and so this continues on your list for driving parks, Big Bend. Yep. And you know, if you're in Yellowstone, we we always are shocked when we find people that that made it all the way to Wyoming and they're at Yellowstone and they don't take a extra time to go down to Grand Teton National Park because the mountains in Grand Teton are among you know, the most spectacular in the entire United States and definitely a, a drivable park. We, I don't think we did any trails there and I didn't leave feeling dissatisfied. And then the other great thing about that was I got to put Grandma Joy on a, on a little boat and we, we took a, a really scenic tour along Jenny Lake. Um, and so you, you see the mountains up close from a boat uh, where you get a, a history of the, of the park as well. So, Yes, it was really amazing to hear all the history as we uh, rode along in, uh, in the water. And that uh, he was very, uh, he knew all the all the little things that make a trip interesting. 
uh, I think everybody on the trip really enjoyed it. And it was a nice sunshiny day. Yeah, the, the mountains are almost, they look like they're from a fairy tale. They don't look like they're part of the U.S. I don't know. They look like they're, they're from another, another world. They're very distinct. There's nothing like that in Yellowstone. And, it's, and it's, it's close enough that people should do it for sure. Completely agree. Grandma, you have the list too. You want to talk a little bit so that it's not all me? Oh, the only one, the one I really liked and enjoyed was at the Arches in Utah. You can just drive along, but you can't. It's amazing to look at these. And, you know, one of these days, 100 years from now, maybe, some of them will be gone because all the rain and the wind will destroy them. So you need to go and, and enjoy them now and uh, see these majestic arches out there in the middle of the desert. It's really beautiful. You'll never forget it. I think of all the, the I mean, really all five of the parks in Utah are, um, are, are really magnificent to drive through. But I think arches of, the, of all five, that's probably the, the one that's most well laid out for, for, for driving tours. Zion is also in our, our top 10 list. And that, that's one where um, you can even take a shuttle. And I, I would recommend that so that you don't have to, to worry about fighting for overlook space and, and that type of thing. So definitely something to consider when you're in Utah, getting in a shuttle bus and, and just letting that, that variable go to the, the side so you can just sit back and enjoy the views. And is the shuttle easy for people with physical disabilities or wheelchairs? Yep. You can, and you can, I think I'm pretty sure that that departs from the visitor center. So you can book your tour there and, and then just go off and, and enjoy all the, the wonders of Red Rock country. All right. So I count one, two, three, four, five, six. Yep. Just a few more. Grandma, do you want to tell them a little bit about your experience at the Grand Canyon? Yeah, we had to get up at four o'clock in the morning to get here to see the sun come up. Like I'd never seen it before. <laughs> <laughs> And it was cold too that morning. It was really, it was nippy out there. But there was a lot of people out there doing the same thing we did. So I guess we wasn't all crazy. Nope. (laughs) We did see a crazy person there though. We did see somebody who thought it was uh, okay to walk up to an elk and and take a selfie with it. Oh, yeah. We do a a people behaving badly series (laughs) on on our social media channels where we see things that are... uh, not appropriate. I don't know why people do that. They go right up to a wild creature and try to take a picture. And then if the creature would attack them, they would probably get rid of the poor animal. And it wasn't his fault. Right. They are not thinking. And the people are just not thinking. They get excited. They see a photo opportunity. And then they put their self in danger and they put other people in danger. Hopefully, people listening to this will become more aware as well. I don't think you'll ever see video of Grandma Joy being thrown in the air by a bison. (laughs) No, but that brings me to a story that you told me last week. Why don't you tell us that story? It actually is one of our, um, our top 10 parks to, to drive through. So while we're on it, you know, so Glacier, Glacier National Park is another one. Like you, you cannot have a, a full appreciation of what our national parks offer in the United States without driving up, going to the Sun Road. And once again, that you could never leave, you don't even have to leave your, your driver's seat and you're going to have a, a lifetime of memories on that, that trip up and back. We, and once again, you could take, you could take a shuttle, highly recommended so that you can, you can just be dropped off, take in the views and then hop on the next shuttle and continue on your way and not have to worry about parking. We got all the way to the end of going to the Sun Road, and we decided to take an evening stroll to Fisher Cap Lake. And we were there to, to watch the moose, and it was just a beautiful night. The sun was setting on the, on the water, and there were several moose out on the, the lake grazing for aquatic vegetation that's on the, on the, on the floor of the, of the pond. Some photographers got a little too close, and um, Grandma Joy and I had a, a, a pretty harrowing encounter that we'll never forget. Do you remember that, Grandma Joy? Yeah, as long as he's in front of me, it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, uh, this uh, female moose was not having it. And uh, she got out of the lake and charged right for the, for the entire group. You know, the 10 photographers or so that were there, they were all able to disperse. The, 
the families with children that were to the left of us, they all ran into the woods and it was just poor grandma joy. And I standing there on the banks of Fisher Cap Lake with me, with my arms outstretched, like that was going to do any good. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, fortunately that was a mock charge, but you know, we really can't stress enough that, you know, it might make for a, an interesting story, but the reality is that we are, we're, we're visitors, right? And wildlife in a national park is not wildlife at a zoo and it should be appreciated at a respectful distance. And it's not about how close you get. It's about being able to observe the natural behaviors wherever you're standing. It's always keeping a safe distance and a respectful distance is not only better for you, but it's, it's better for the animals too, so that they don't become too accustomed to people and start developing improper behaviors that could end up leading to, the, leading to them being euthanized. You know, that's especially true with bears and, you know, etiquette when you're in, whether it's grizzly country or black bear country, just having, having proper etiquette and, and not creating scenarios that lead to an interface that's, that's, that's too close. Right. And I'm going to interject here that you're not just saying this as a casual visitor who's learned from experience, but you are saying this from the point of view of an experienced professional because you yourself are a veterinarian. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a veterinarian with a, a, a master's in veterinary public health. So I study diseases that spill over from wildlife into people. And those examples are pretty extensive you know, rabies being one that a lot of people would know about, but, um, you know, there, there are certainly others and it's just, it's just really, really important for people to remember that wildlife is, it's a privilege, you know, it's, that's our favorite part about traveling. Really my love of, of animals came from grandma joy, but the more you learn about wildlife and the diseases that they have, you understand that really there's, there's not a space for us to be right up against each other. It, uh, it, it presents too many opportunities for things to go wrong. Right. And so we know that you had a positive outcome from that female moose. So what, what did happen? Everybody else had dispersed. It was just the two of you. You were blocking Grandma Joy. And what did the moose do? So she ran up to me within... I My memory is about 15 feet. And of course, my heart was pounding out of my chest. I had a lump in my throat the size of a bowling ball. There's nothing you can do in those moments. You know, I've had similar close encounters with elephants and lions living and working in Africa. You do your best to avoid. I certainly do. I do my best to always avoid something like, like that happening in the first place. But when you're in the, the moment, when you're in the line of fire, you don't really have a choice but to stand and hope that it is a mock charge. Unfortunately, in this case... I think this was probably a moose that was used to being pushed to her limits. And, and she, she gave us a mock charge knowing that that usually got the outcome that she wanted for people to back off and give her that space to just have her evening meal. But um, it was harrowing. It was scary. Wow. We are very grateful for that and that you can tell us this story. We can learn from it and not put ourselves in a similar situation. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I'll say... It's it's really unfortunate. Almost every bear sighting that I've had in the Great Smoky Mountains, with with an exception of something really magical that happened uh, one morning when Grandma Joy and I were alone on a on a road in the fog where we saw a little bear cub. Unfortunately, most of the bear sightings I've seen are because there's this long line of cars, maybe on the Cades Cove Loop Road in the Smokies or something like that, and and you see hordes of people outside of their cars and. And oftentimes I see these bears chased up trees and people standing at the bottom taking photos. And, you know, people don't really understand their safety is not always guaranteed. And, you know, forget the fact that you're creating a stressful situation and impeding on a natural behavior and, and, and stealing that, that moment from other visitors who just want to see bears in their natural habitat doing what bears do. There are situations that are not uncommon where bears attack people and those bears don't get to keep on living. And they would, they would have that opportunity if, if humans had never put them in that situation in the first place. And the same thing with, with uh, leaving food out at their campsites and, and, develop, and, you know, and, and fostering those, those bad behaviors and that reliance on, on human sources of food. So it, it's, there's a greater responsibility that we have when we go into these national parks besides getting a great photograph to put on on Facebook, you know, we have, we have a responsibility to, 
to allow these wild animals to live their lives in peace and not impede on the experience of other visitors who want that that pure wild uh, encounter, you know? Yep, absolutely. You mentioned a magical moment where it was just the two of you in the Smokies. What was that? Brad's car is a hybrid. So when he stops the car, it goes on the battery and it doesn't make any sound. So we stopped right away and he didn't even look at us. He was just so busy walking along this little ledge. And then he jumped down <laughs> and he digged for a worm. He couldn't find that. And so he walked over and digged for something else. And it was, it was, a, I can see why people want him for a pet because he just looks like he'd be so cuddly. You could just pick him up and hug him. And he was just so unconcerned. He just walked around and thank heavens we didn't see his mom or she might have attacked us. But he was really, <laughs> he was really having a good time. You know, we left Gatlinburg very early in the morning because I wanted to um, take her around Cades Cove. And I thought that, um, you know, if we were one of the first cars in, we might have the best chance at seeing black bears because that's usually where I see them. And lack of sleep combined with with really thick fog, I got lost and we ended up driving all the way over to Klingman's Dome. We're driving up this road and I'm just trying to get my car turned around and we're in the thick fog. And I know that the time is dwindling. It's going to take an hour to get back to where I wanted to be in this moment of high blood pressure and be just, just seething at, at my mistake. The fog opens up. This little black bear cub was just standing on the ledge and, and we were alone with him for five minutes. And it was my favorite wildlife encounter to date. Wow. That is a little bit of magic. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Cades Cove is a great place to take your grandma just to see all those historic churches and schoolhouses and to view wildlife and wildflowers. But lots of overlooks in that park, great scenery from the car, wheelchair accessible trails as well. We love the Smokies. So, according to my count, you have one more park that you wanted to talk about. Well, yeah. Sorry. We, we've been all over the place, Danielle. <laughs> Rocky Mountain National Park in Colorado is another park that as far as the best views on the West Coast, I think I think Rocky Mountain National Park in Colorado is is among Grandma Joy's favorites. Don't go up there on a windy day, you get blown away. I'll tell you that. My goodness gracious. If I hadn't held a door handle, I'd probably been down over the count over the cliff, I think. It's really, really windy that day. Oh my goodness. It's a beautiful place to to go. And I hope that when you're doing these parks, that you come across some aspen trees. They are beautiful and the, and the wind blows and the sun's on them. They look like golden coins dancing in the wind. You kids can't, they're beautiful. I'm telling you, Brad took me through, like we went through like miles of them and they were beautiful. There's nothing like that around here. I'll tell you that. Yeah. And you, you can see why people flock there in the fall because the, the golden aspens are just, you know, you'll see entire mountainsides that are just awash in gold. And she's right. The way the wind blows through them, it's, it's mesmerizing to see the leaves just waving at you in the millions. And then the final park on our list for, for best drive through parks. And this one would require a, a plane ride first, but um, we just got back from Hawaii. And if you're on the big island at Hawaii Volcanoes National Park, you can take a 15-mile stretch of road called the Chain of Craters Road. And it's just this, um, you know, as far as the eye can see, landscape of black volcanic rock butting right up against the ocean. And, and knowing Hawaii, you're, you're probably going to see at least a dozen rainbows on your way to the edge of the coast and back. It was one of the best experiences we've ever had. That just sounds phenomenal. That is a place I have never been and would like to go someday. What are some of the biggest challenges that you experienced and, and what would you recommend? Are there lessons that you can share that we might be able to learn from and overcome? I guess one of the biggest challenges when we went into California and uh, I had to walk up 157 steps. So I guess that was one of the biggest challenges I ever had, I'll tell you that, but I made it. Where was that? That was the Channel Islands National Park. So if you're going out to Channel Islands, you know, there are, there are five different islands that you can pick from that are part of the national park. The first one that we went to was Anacapa Island. And, you know, the great thing about that is that you, you know, part of that park is, is the ocean surrounding the island. And 
And Grandma Joy was able to see a lot of dolphins and humpback whales. When they dock the boat at Anacapa Island, which is the one that's closest to Ventura, you can see it from, the, from land in California. You do have to climb 157 stairs. But you know, I, think, I think those are the challenges that we run into. Are, um, some of these parks, you just can't get around it. If you're going to experience them for what they are, you may not have, if you're in a wheelchair, that's not even an option. For Grandma Joy, it was just, well, we'll get to the top when we get to the top. And she not only climbed those stairs, but then we, we hiked all the way to Inspiration Point once we, we got up to the island. So she's a remarkable person, but we have to think about those things. The, the logistics of every park are, are sometimes complicated by accessibility, weather, you know, you, you name it. And then, and certainly you have to take into consideration a person's physical limitations. I think that that's, that's one of the outliers though. Channel Islands is, is, is probably not the, the place to start your, your national parks journey as beautiful as it is. But if you're, if you, if you have physical limitations, you know, I would do your research first and take those kind of things into consideration. Steps have come back to haunt us many, many times. But I got to see my first whale. That was amazing. He came right up beside the boat. It was, <laughs> and the dolphins were leaping in the air and talk about precision swimming. These three dolphins came up side by side, did a perfect arch and went down the water on the other side. And I thought, well, what'd they say? Come on, guys, we're going to line up and do this. I said, how in the world do they know to do that? But it was beautiful. And then to see the first whale you'd ever seen, he was gorgeous, I'm telling you. He just came up right up beside the boat. And he wasn't supposed to be there. He's supposed to be on his way for, for the winter somewhere. So we lucked out on that one, that's for sure. But it was really something to see that big monstrous animal. Finding camping is not always easy if you don't make your reservations ahead of time. Being that she uh, had a handicapped, a handicapped pass, you know, there are handicapped um, tent sites in a lot of these parks that are are frequently open because there aren't a lot of handicapped people that camp, right? I would just say if you're if you're going to go camping, especially in the in the peak season, make sure that you're making your reservations ahead of time or you you could be finding yourself uh at a KOA or 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 something like that, you know, or or driving well outside the park boundaries trying to find a, a cheap hotel for the night. Did you have that experience where you got shut out? No, we were lucky. We found, we had a place everywhere we went. He would send me to go because he probably thought I looked pathetic. So he would send me up to ask them if they had a handicap. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, we do have a handicap sticker, but, you know, she she was walking better in 2017 when we we did our first cross-country road trip than she did now. Now, until she gets her D fixed, you know, it's pretty obvious that she... She needs a little bit, little bit of extra love. But um, now that this story has gone viral and we've, and we've heard from so many people that are her age that, that want to start doing this next year, we have kind of jokingly said that, you know, these handicapped parking spaces and handicapped tent sites are probably going to be harder to find, but there might be some truth to it. So they're just going to add it, some more. <laughs> yeah. Planning is everything. What do you recommend? What are your tips for doing something like this? Going to so many parks. Are you always one or two steps ahead making those reservations before one or two parks ahead of time? Yeah, I mean, and I guess do as we say, not as we did, because we were flying by the seat of our pants. You know, we just we just showed up and crossed our fingers and hoped for the best. And we 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 got very lucky. And like I said, I think that if if there were more people in her age bracket experiencing our national parks, we wouldn't have had the the good fortune that we did. You know, I think it's 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 hard to plan. You know, I mean, one of our road trips was 28 days. The second one was that was really long. Was the one that we did this past fall? That was a 45 day road trip. It is really I, I I couldn't plan it down to that that level of detail. So most of the time, you know, we know where we want to go and what order, and then we just go to the rangers and we say, okay, this is how much time we have. My grandma can probably walk up to a mile, but but not much more than that. We'd like to avoid, you know, rocky terrain, a lot of roots, slippery, things like that. And they're really, that's the best resource because you can read all the books you want, but they might get it wrong. And I, I think rangers are always going to be your best resource when, when you've got someone that, someone with you who might not be able to, 
to climb every mountain. So just just go there first, and and I think that they will um, hopefully hook you up with an accessibility guide, and 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 let you know like here's what here's what Grandma Sue or Grandma Peg or Grandma whomever this is what she can do in the amount of time that you've got. Right, and and being flexible as <laughs> as every park that you've talked about. I've had some story about how we had to change our plans. Something didn't work out. So you have to be flexible and just go with the flow sometimes too. It's nice to have a plan, but it has to be a plan that you're willing to change. Yeah. Grandma, (laughs) tell them, tell Danielle what happened to us when we were at Wind Cave. Oh, we planned on going to Wind Cave. And when we got there, she said, oh, it's been broke down since last June. And uh, the, the, yeah. Elevator at 80 years old, so we're having to have parts made. And Brad said, Well, there's some place we can park around. Is there a, a route? And she showed us where to go. So we went around, and it was drizzling rain, and it wasn't a very good day. Brad slowed down to look for something. I said, um, Brad, there's a coyote sitting here beside me on the road. He said, Oh, yeah. So we looked and there he was. He was sitting there looking around and he got up and walked. Poor thing. He looked like he lost his last friend. He was all wet and scraggly. And I felt so sorry for him. I didn't know what to do. And he walked around the car and he walked around and he was hungry. And there was furry dogs. I love furry dogs. But I thought, well, he looked like he's in bad shape. I'll let him have one if he can get it. So he tried. And the poor thing, it ran away and he just sat down like, well, there goes my supper. I'm out of luck today. So Brad said, Grandma, maybe we better go and just let him go. Maybe he'll find one later on. So we left him. But it was amazing to see that coyote like that. He, they usually run away. They just, But he was just, oh, I feel so sorry for the poor old fellow. Yeah, we, we've had those moments too. And it does no good to let your experience get ruined because of things that are outside of your control, whether it's weather or something like that. So we went to Wind Cave. We didn't actually go into Wind Cave, but it's the only place that we've ever watched coyotes in an active hunting situation going after these prairie dogs. We saw that happen over and over and over again. It was a little drizzly, but the colors in the in the park on that driving loop are really spectacular. And so, you know, it turned out different than what we thought it was going to be. And it was still special. And that's okay. That happens sometimes. So we are just released our Isle Royal series. So we're doing a three-part series on Isle Royal National Park. And I remember seeing that you had some issues with Isle Royal. Do you want to mention that? Oh, it was a bummer. (laughs) That was the park that probably I have the least to say about, not because I know that that's a spectacular place, but just based on what happened to us there, you're very limited in how you can get to the island, right? And so there's one ferry company out of Copper Harbor. And the day that we were scheduled to go, the weather was too severe. The gale force winds were, were such that it wouldn't have been safe. We understood that and we wouldn't have wanted to be out on Lake Superior in that situation. And we wouldn't have wanted to really be on the island with that bad weather either. We stayed in our hotel for another night and then the next day, it was bright, sunny, perfectly blue skies. But the ferry company would only allow us to stay on the island for, for 30 minutes. So after waiting over 48 hours, we were able to just really get off the boat, walk up to the visitor center, walk along the edge of the, the water, and then back to the boat before they left us. So it was just very disappointing. But on the, you know, the silver lining of that experience was that the people that were on the boat coming back from the island, we had about four hours to chat with them. And uh, we developed some really great friends and uh, including one gentleman who lives in Kalamazoo who wants to take us back there in the, in the summer and be Grandma Joyce Sherpa. And uh, he knows the park really well. So I think we, ha- we just had like two or three parks that didn't work out according to plan. Isle Royal is in Upper Peninsula, Michigan. We're in Ohio. So that's a, a long day's drive up there. But I think we have some unfinished business there and we'll go back. What did you think of it? So I did not go. This was one of those trips every year. My husband, Brian, takes a trip with his brother. And sometimes he has uh, friends tagging along. So there were five of them that went to Isle Royal this summer while the kids and I stayed back home. That 
trip report I just released yesterday. It's it's pretty fun to listen to. It's entertaining. They had some adventures. They got stuck on the island and couldn't get off the island. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and that's um I've already left my review online for this particular company and I and I'm not saying that there aren't some great there there're probably many people that have had great experiences with them. I just felt that for the folks that were waiting there an extra day, being on the boat with snacks sitting there for an extra hour while we had our moment to explore the island might not have been too much to ask for. But, you know, we were also at the very beginning of a month and a half long journey and, and we just moved on, you know, we just moved on. And there were that for every one experience like that, we've had 500 that were life-changing in the best possible way. So we just choose to focus on, you know, all, all the blessings that we've had. Right. And you'll get back there to have a better experience. Yeah. I have no doubt. But they never refunded Brad's money either. That's not why. <laughs> I agree with you there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we've kind of put that behind us. It's a park that I really, it appeals to me just because the wildlife there is so cut off from everything else. And I, I hear it's one of the best places to see moose anywhere. Yeah, they had a great experience there. Like nothing says you can't go back to the places that, that you love. And truly, I mean, for everything that we've done, 53 out of the 62 national parks, we've had almost perfect weather the entire time. We haven't been rained out of any place. We did get snowed out of a big section of Lassen Volcanic National Park. But, you know, we drove to the two ends. It, it took like an hour and a half to get around to the other entrance of the park. But we, you know, we, we saw what we could and we appreciated what was accessible to us that day. And um, the major part of that highway, hopefully we'll be able to go back in the middle of the summer and, and see the rest. So people always ask us, you know, what's at, what's next? What's after, after you get to all 62, what's next? And, you know, there are, there are 419, I think, national park sites. Is that right? Just because it doesn't have a capital N, capital P at the end, national park doesn't mean it's not a worthwhile place to visit. You know, certainly craters of the moon and uh, dinosaur. We've been to so many units within the national park systems that aren't technically designated U.S. national parks. And and we found them to be every bit as magical as, as, as some of the other national parks that we've been lucky to see. Yeah. We want to end with positive notes here. Was there a particular transformative experience? You've shared so many wonderful stories with us. Is there one that sticks out above all the rest or have you shared those already? I think we, we talk a lot about not just the places that we see, but for Grandma Joy, I think specifically, it's been the... Um, the people who have helped us along the way, you know, from every walk of life, that's been, that's been transformative for both of us. Right. And then I got to babysit. That made it right. We were, were on the way to t- dry Tortuga on this ship. And this uh, lady and uh, man were on there with their baby. He like six months old. They wanted to go see the other part of the boat. And he says, okay, if we go see the other part of the boat. And I said, well, go right ahead. So I babysit with the little baby. And <laughs> like he did, he would jabber at me and I just jabbered back at him. Oh, he had a good time. <laughs> I turn around. I'm like, how did you end up with a baby? Oh, he was so cute. <laughs> Out in the middle of the Caribbean Sea. But... <laughs> But but honestly, I mean, Grandma, we've been in we've been in homes from coast to coast, haven't we? Oh, everybody's been so welcoming, and uh, it, <laughs> you know, you don't get over it. Everybody said, "Oh, Grandma Joy, can I give you a hug?" You know, well, you have to say yes, don't you? you can. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I, it, we were in the middle of the the Cardbad Taverns in the dark. You couldn't only see your hand in front of me. And this lady came up and said, are you Grandma Joy? And I said, yes, I guess I am. So everybody has been, uh, the people have been so great. They just, they took us out to eat. They took us on boats and they, everybody is so friendly. When you're in a national park, you don't talk about politics. You don't talk about religion. You just talk about the beautiful thing you see and the wonderful people you meet. And you just sit back and enjoy life. That's wonderful. I love that. And that's such a great place to end. So I thank you so much for spending this time with me and sharing your stories and continuing your journey. So you only have a few parks left to go. So I know that Grandma Joy's birthday is coming up. Her surgery is coming up. 
And then you'll be heading off to finish up your quest to do all the parks. Yep. We have, um, we're trying to figure out how we're going to get to American Samoa. That's the one that I think is always last on everyone's list just because it's so far away. That's something that we definitely want to do. And then we have the eight U.S. national parks of Alaska. I'm already planning out the, the logistics for that trip. So that's, if all goes according to plan, we'll be heading there this summer and probably spending between six to eight weeks traveling all around Alaska and then road tripping back through Canada all the way to tiny little Duncan Falls, Ohio, where, the, where this whole thing began. Fantastic. Brad, would you like to share any of your projects that you're that are coming up or Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I keep uh, Grandma Joy's road trip on Instagram and Facebook. I keep that updated. We have uh, no active trips going on at the moment, but whenever we're doing podcast interviews or if new news comes up, uh, we're sharing it there. And of course, we have tens of thousands of of photographs that I keep sharing on Instagram and Facebook every day just so that people can see everything that we've been able to see across the country. And so we keep those active. Right now, I'm, I'm writing a book. This is going to be about not just all the sights and sounds and people that we met throughout the course of our, our five-year journey across the U.S. National Parks, but it's also about the history of our relationship and how we were able to forge a relationship that's even, even better than we had before we lost touch with one another. So it's a really a, a journey of two people that were really close once and a relationship that got fractured and then was able to heal on the open road. I can't wait to read this book. So um, good luck with writing it. Thank you so much. <laughs> and um, I know many people are excited for you to uh, take on this new way of telling your story. What is the power of Grandma Joy's example? I, I know she doesn't like to talk about herself in this way, but you know, I, I see her as an extraordinary woman from a very ordinary place. And I always knew that about her. I felt that from the moment that I was a little boy in that stream, that she had a, a profound appreciation for life and a spirit that, that didn't jump straight to, no, I can't. She was always willing to try things and live outside of her comfort zone. And you know, to be 85 years of age when we started this journey, having lived through the death of her husband two decades prior, to have lived through the death of two of her three boys in middle age, and to be in a, a financial situation where she had to continue to work a minimum wage job in a deli until she was in her early 80s. And despite all of that, to never become bitter, to always live up to her first name with a smile on her face and a joke to tell, and also a generous spirit. She's not a wealthy person. And what does she do? She goes and she, she volunteers to feed people who are in an impoverished situation on, on Christmas Day. And she goes and reads to children with special needs at our local elementary school. She was able to always see the best in what she had in front of her, even if she wasn't able to drive outside of Muskegon County in Southeast Ohio, because she was a willing spirit. And because she had that sense of adventure and that openness to the adventure, she was able to now drive over 40,000 miles to every corner of the United States and inspire millions of people along the way, which is something that we didn't see coming. I think for me, the power of Grandma Joy is just the power of your own example. Just living life in an authentic way. And sometimes in the process, you have these unforeseen consequences and you have the ability to change other people's lives. And you never know that you have that power inside of you until, until it happens. That's fantastic. So Grandma Joy, do you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom that you would like to share? Well, I don't think it's any wisdom, but I just want everybody to look at the glasses half full and not half empty. And don't regret not doing something. If you wanted to try something, do it. Don't regret the next day that you didn't do it. Thank you so much. And again, I'm speaking with... Brad Ryan and Grandma Joy Ryan, and you can follow them on Facebook or Instagram and look out for Brad's book when it comes out. 
but he has to write it first. Oh, and yeah. I will have <laughs> and I will have links where you can find them in the show notes for the podcast. So thank you so much to both of you for joining me. It's been such a pleasure and an honor to speak with you. Thank you, Danielle. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to Everybody's National Parks. You may find links to resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes on our website, everybodysnationalparks.com. Send us your stories, tips, or comments to hello at everybodysnps.com. You can write us a message or even record a short voice memo on your phone and then attach it to the email. You may be featured on an upcoming episode. Again, the email is hello at everybodysnps.com. Subscribe for free to Everybody's National Parks on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, become a patron. Just click on support our show on our homepage, everybodysnationalparks.com. We also appreciate if you write a review, give us a five-star rating, and tell your friends. This helps more people find us. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We love to hear from you from the parks you are visiting, so please tag us at hashtag everybody's national parks. Thank you to all of our listeners and financial supporters via Patreon for sharing in this national park adventure. Most of all, enjoy exploring the national parks with your family. Bye for now.